Thank you for that prayer this morning, Dan. I appreciate it. Well, as Pastor Mike mentioned, as he was up here leading our music this morning with our praise team, um, I am preaching through the attributes of God. And this morning we are going to look at the spirituality of God. Two weeks ago, I had an introductory message, an overall look at the attributes of God. Last week, we looked at the aseity of God or the um, self-existence of God. And this morning, we will look at the spirituality of God. Now, I will say to you that of the 15 attributes of God that we are going to look at in this series, the two attributes that most Christians know least about are the first two. Last week when we looked at the aseity of God, the self-existence of God, and today the spirituality, and I just say that because I, I just want you to really think through what I'm going to share with you. Some of the attributes of God are much more familiar to us, the love of God, the goodness of God, the omnipresence of God, those attributes that we will look at in the weeks to come. But today we look at the spirituality of God. And I would like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, there should be a Bible in the chair in underneath the chair in front of you or one of the chairs in front of you. And if you are here this morning and you don't own a Bible, we would love you just to give you that Bible. So if you take one of those Bibles and you don't own a Bible, you can have it. It's your uh, gift from us. We would love for you to have it. If you're watching by live stream this morning and you don't have a Bible, we'll have most, not all, but most of the verses that I share with you will be on the screen for you to see. John chapter 4 is the somewhat familiar passage of the woman at the well where Jesus comes and speaks with the Samaritan woman. And in John chapter 4, we're going to look specifically at verses 23 and 24, and we will come back to them a little later in the message. But Jesus says, But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Well, our first point this morning is the limitless God. When we study the spirituality of God, we are overwhelmed by the limitless nature of God. There are three words that I want you to remember this morning. Those three words are immaterial, invisible, and infinite. Immaterial, invisible, and infinite. God is immaterial. He is without a physical body. God does not have a body. Second, God is invisible. He cannot be seen. Therefore, we must walk by faith and live by faith until one day in heaven we behold the Lord Jesus 
and see him face to face, and we will also in glory see the great radiant light of God the Father, the Shekinah glory of God the Father that will be so radiated and revealed in the annals of heaven. Third, God is infinite. God has no boundaries or limits. He is free from any physical limitations. He is in no way limited by time and space or the time and space of this world. God is infinite in his being. God, and maybe you've heard me use this word in sermons before, God is transcendent. So what do we mean when we say that God is transcendent? It means that he is apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe. Okay? When we say he is a transcendent God, it means he is apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe. He created the universe. He created the material things that exist, but he is not subject to or limited by them. So let's look at each of them in more depth this morning. God is spirit and therefore does not have a material body. I hope I don't disappoint you this morning, but God is not in heaven as an old man with long white hair and a long flowing beard. Okay, and that's how he's depicted often in artwork throughout the ages. God the Father, this ancient old man with flowing white hair, this long gray or white beard, and that is not God because God does not have a material body. In John chapter 4, and we went through this in depth when I preached through the Gospel of John just about a year and a half ago. And we know that Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman who has lived a sinful life. And she is intrigued by him and yet confused by this Jesus. And she says to him, Our fathers, we Samaritans, worshipped on this mountain, but you, you Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. But Jesus says to her that everything is about to change. The Messiah has come. We know when I preach through this, he reveals himself to her as the Messiah, clearly, that he is the one who is to come. And he says, the hour is coming and is now here. Messiah has come. He is going to give his life as a ransom for sin. He is going to die as the ultimate, final, sacrificial lamb for our sins, for all of our sins, for all of eternity. And when that happens, and people embrace him as Lord and Savior, they receive him as Lord and Savior, then the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Our spirits 
will have the Holy Spirit united with them. The Holy Spirit will come to permanently indwell us, and we will have a relationship with God through Christ that we could not otherwise have because the Holy Spirit has united with our spirits. And if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, that is who you are. You are a true worshiper, but only those who know Christ as Savior, who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them because at a point in time they repented of their sin and received Christ as Savior. Only those are the true worshipers, but they will worship the Father in spirit and truth. They will understand that God is transcendent, that God is all whom he has revealed himself to be in the pages of Scripture. And we will be united to him through our spirits, and we will worship him in truth. Truth simply being as God has revealed himself, even as Pastor Dan prayed. We can't make God out to be whomever we want him to be. We have to worship him as he has revealed himself in the pages of Scripture. We will worship God in spirit and truth. And if you know Christ as your Savior, you have... A yearning in your spirit, a sense of belonging to God in your spirit that you cry out to him as Abba, Father. You have a relationship that non-Christians simply cannot have and do not understand. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Verse 24 is a key verse in understanding the spirituality of God. Jesus says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God does not have a physical body. He is spirit, and we worship him in the fullness of all that he has revealed himself to be which we are looking at this morning and so those who worship him must worship him as spirit in truth we must worship God as spirit in truth now there are times when the bible speaks of God with different body parts For example, in Proverbs 15.3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. No, God doesn't have eyes. It is simply saying that God sees everything. In Psalm 139, that great psalm of the presence of God and the vastness of God, It says, even if I go to the uttermost part of the sea, even if I'm in the middle of the ocean, there the hand of God will lead me and his right hand will hold me. Well, God doesn't have hands. 
It simply means he will be right there with you. The hand of the Lord is simply the presence of the Lord right there with you. In Isaiah 53.1, it says, To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, God doesn't have arms. The arm of the Lord is a reference to the strength of the Lord. It is to help you to understand that the strength, whom, to whom has the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord, been revealed? In Psalm 130, it says, the psalmist says, My voice cries out to the Lord. May your ears be attentive to my pleas for mercy. Well, God doesn't have ears. It simply means, God, please listen to me. So the Bible, or when the Bible attributes human body parts to God, it does so figuratively. Let me say that again. When the Bible attributes human body parts to God, it does so figuratively. This is called an anthropomorphism. And I have that in the bulletin for you. It's not like you need to memorize this. It's just something that's good to be familiar with. I know some of you already are, but maybe some of you aren't. And anthropomorphism refers to instances where the Bible uses human physical appearance to describe God. God sometimes describes himself using human qualities in order to reveal himself to us in ways that we most easily can understand. So what an anthropomorphism is God coming down to our level to help us to understand him better because he is so vast and so limitless. He uses terms that we can understand. I loved what Steve Lawson said He said, God doesn't come down and use kindergarten talk. No, he uses baby talk. God uses baby talk so that we can understand him. We are so small and so finite and so limited that God uses terms that we understand to help us understand him better. But God's absence of a physical body is what makes him the divine Lord of all. I want you to think of something with me this morning. Let us all be thankful that God doesn't have a body. Because if God had a body, he could only be in one place at one time. So let us be thankful for the spirituality of God. Because God doesn't have a body, he is not subject to space constraints. God can always be present in all places. That is a great truth. So when I go home today, God will be with me. When you go home today, God will be with you. When the tribal believer in Papua New Guinea goes home today, God will be with him. God will be with her because God is everywhere present. We'll look at that more later on in the series in the omnipresence of God. But the reason God is able to be always present in all places is because of his spirituality, because he does not have a body. 
And because God doesn't have a physical body, he is able to keep his promises. In Matthew 8:20, excuse me, in Matthew 28:20, Jesus says, "And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." How can that be true, Jesus? It's because God is spiritual. It is because of the spirituality of God. It's because God doesn't have a body and he is not limited to one place at one time. In Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many times have all of us clung to that promise? I will never leave you I will never forsake you. Praise God for that. But the reason he is able to keep that promise and fulfill that promise is because of his spirituality. Because God is spirit, we can be assured, every single one of us who know Christ as Savior, we can be assured that wherever we go, and no matter how alone we feel, God is always with us. Always. So when that young woman or young man goes off to college and they're on a college campus and they feel like they're just all alone and they don't know anyone, God is with them. When that young man or young woman goes off to military service and they get to their base and they don't know anyone and they're all alone and feel all alone, God is right there with them. When you come home from the doctor and he's given you a difficult diagnosis, maybe even a life-threatening diagnosis, and you feel all alone in this universe, God is right there with you. Right there with you. When you go through a marital struggle, when you go through a financial struggle, when you hit times in your life where you feel like, and we've all been there, I just don't feel like there's anyone I can talk to. I just don't feel like anyone would even understand what I'm going through. Folks, God is right there with you. And he does understand. So God is immaterial. And God is spirit and therefore he is invisible. God cannot be seen by human eyes. Although some people... Claim to have seen God, he cannot be seen by human eyes. So the next time someone says to you, I saw God, they didn't. I don't know what they saw, but they didn't see God. Because he cannot be seen because he is invisible. In 1 Timothy 1.17, it says to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. The king of the ages. What a description. Immortal. Invisible. This isn't on the screen, but 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 and 16, just a tremendous section. It says, the only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 
who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To our God, to the spirituality of God, our invisible God, be honor and eternal dominion. The only physical man, excuse me, the only physical manifestation of God in human form, of course, is Jesus Christ, the God-Man. In John 1.18, it says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. God in human flesh. Jesus Christ, that is the beauty, the wonder, the miracle of the incarnation that God took on human flesh to become the sacrifice for our sins. But as I shared with you at the beginning of this series in the introductory message, please keep in mind that all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have all the attributes of God in their fullness all the time for all of eternity. So it isn't like the Father has a set of attributes, the Son has a set of attributes, and the Holy Spirit has a set of attributes. No, they are one God in three persons. I've shared this with you before. In his humanity, Jesus is in one place. He is seated at the right hand of God, at the place of power and highest authority in the universe. In his divinity, he is everywhere present. Jesus is here. In his humanity, he is in one place, seated at the right hand of God the Father. In his divinity, he is everywhere present. So we can know this invisible God. And we know him or come to know him in three ways. First, we can know God by examining the world he has made. Creation reveals certain things to us about God. We look at all of creation, its order, its beauty, its systematic running, and all that is in the universe. We look through telescopes and look at, at the galaxies. Now, we cannot be saved just by looking at creation, but we can know things about God through his amazing, beautiful creation. In Romans 1.20, it says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they, people, are without excuse. So God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen through what has been made. That is one way we can know about God. That is called general revelation. The second kind of revelation is called specific revelation, and that is knowing God by reading the Bible through Scripture. That is his primary revelation. It is only through specific revelation that we can understand how to be saved, 
how to come to eternal life through trusting in the death and resurrection of Christ and in him alone. So we know God through creation, but specifically we know God as he has revealed himself in the Bible. And as I have shared with you in this series, everything we know about God accurately we know through the pages of Scripture. But there is a third way we know God. We can know God by entering into a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ, who is God in human form. It is through entering into this personal saving relationship with Christ that we can fully understand the word of God. Because without the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2, the word of God is foolishness to us. So, we know God through creation. We know him specifically through the pages of Scripture, and we know him by entering into a saving relationship with Christ. In John 1.14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In John chapter 14, is that famous section where Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. And it will be enough for us. Jesus, just show us the Father. Isn't that the cry of people throughout the ages? Oh, I'd just love to see God. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So even though God is immaterial, He doesn't have a body, even though he is invisible. Everything we do need to know about him, we can see in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is immaterial, God is invisible. And then our second point, or the third word that we're looking at, is infinite. The infinite God. God is spirit and therefore has no boundaries or limits. God is spirit, therefore he has no boundaries or limits. I want you to think of something with me this morning. The fullness of God permeates every part of everywhere. I don't know about you, but that just overwhelms me. The fullness of God, everything that he is, permeates every part of everywhere. When we say that God is with us this morning, it is because the fullness of God permeates every part of everywhere. So the greatness of God surpasses human understanding. In Job 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, As for me, I would seek God, and to God would I commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Oh, God does great things. God does unsearchable things. God does marvelous things without number.
And the infinite nature of God ought to bring us great comfort. And in a sense, cause us to fear him. He's here. He knows everything you're thinking. He knows every motive you have. He, never, he knows every thought you have, every word you speak. That's just something we make up to keep you accountable. The fullness of God permeates every part of everywhere. So what should we think of the spirituality of God? The mystery of God should fill every part of our being with exuberant worship. The mystery of God, and this certainly falls in that category. He is so unlike us in his spirituality, but it should fill every part of our being with exuberant worship. You know, if we could figure God out, we wouldn't worship him. Did you know that? If we could figure God out, he'd be just like us. Why would we worship someone who's just like us? Or he's way beyond us. Way, way beyond us. God is beyond our understanding. And that ought to bring us to our knees in worship. Oh, I'm so glad God isn't like me. And I hope you don't mind me saying this. I'm so glad God isn't like you. He is so limitless, so vast. I'm glad he doesn't have a body. I'm glad he's invisible. I'm glad he's with me wherever I go and whatever I do. I'm glad he knows what I think. And sometimes I'm ashamed of what he knows. But I'm glad he knows because I can't hide anything from him. And that ought to bring us to our knees in worship, in wonder and amazement. A couple things I want you to think about as we close this morning. Although we will never know God completely, he calls us, the sons and daughters of Christ, he calls us to grow and deepen our understanding of him and our relationship with him. I want you to imagine that God is this great universal ocean. And you are this little tiny person on the shore. I invite you to come. Come into the ocean. Wade out into the ocean. Swim out into the ocean. Each of our lifelong pursuits should be to know God and to know him deep, more deeply and more personally. And I want to challenge you with this thought. Obviously, unless the Lord comes first, all of us are going to die. But when Christians die, some die knowing a little bit about God. Some die knowing a lot about God. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one who knows a lot about God. Wherever you are this morning, go deeper. Swim out into the ocean. Spend time 
getting to know God and deepening your relationship with him. One other thought before we close. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but we will study God and learn more about God throughout all eternity. Did you know that? We're going to continue to learn more about God through all of eternity, even after we pass from this earth. Sometimes we think, boy, when I get my glorified body and my glorified mind and I'm in heaven, I'll understand it all. No, you won't. You'll still be the creature and he'll still be the creator. Oh, it is beyond our imagination, heaven. But did you know you're going to learn more and more about God throughout all eternity And even throughout all eternity, you won't know everything about God because he is that great. He is that amazing. He is that transcendent. He is that majestic. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a spirit being whose fullness permeates every part of everywhere. Thank you for being there wherever we go and in everything we do. And thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself perfectly in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.